if you're new to Faith Bible Church, I'm Pastor Steve. It's my privilege of opening up God's Word with us all today. And we are in a study in the book of Matthew. and encourage you to open with me to Matthew chapter 4. Today we'll be looking at verses 12 through 25. We've noted in our study that the human author of the book, the Apostle Matthew is writing with a twofold purpose. One, to encourage Israel that Jesus is indeed the Messiah. The word Messiah is a Hebrew word that means the anointed one. And by saying that, Matthew is encouraging his readers that Jesus is the one promised in the Old Testament. In passages like Second Samuel chapter 7, that would be a descendant of David who would come after him and sit on David's throne over a kingdom of righteousness forever and ever. And Matthew is proving that Jesus is indeed that anointed king. We also know that Matthew writes to encourage believers, Israelite believers, believers of all time, in their walk as they pursue Jesus Christ. We saw from chapter 3 verse 1 through chapter 4 verse 11, Jesus' preparation for his public ministry. And now today in chapter 4 verse 12, we see Matthew's record of the early ministry of Jesus Christ. And we're going to see Jesus' work summed up for us in Jesus' message. A message of good news. And we're going to see in this passage Jesus begin to call people to follow after him. And as he calls people to follow after him, he's calling them to take part in his work, sharing his message. He desires for his disciples to declare good news as well. I'm going to read the passage out loud. You can follow along in your copy of the Bible, starting the reading, Matthew chapter 4, verse 12. Now, when Jesus heard that John had been taken into custody, he withdrew into Galilee, and leaving Nazareth, he came and settled in Capernaum, which is by the sea in the region of Zebulun and Naphtali. This was to fulfill what was spoken through Isaiah the prophet. The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people who were sitting in darkness saw a great light. And those who were sitting in the land and shadow of death, upon them a light dawned. From that time, Jesus began to preach and say, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now as Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And he called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. 
Jesus was going throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness among the people. The news about him spread throughout all Syria and they brought to him all those who were ill, those suffering with various diseases and pains, demoniacs, epileptics, paralytics, and he healed them. Large crowds followed him from Galilee and the Decapolis and Jerusalem and Judea and from beyond the Jordan. It's interesting. I I love the New Living Translation when they translate verse 17. Or excuse me, when they translate verse 19, they say, I will show you how to fish for people. Fishing. I can remember at my uncle's pond with my cane pole fishing. We had our big wild game feast here at Faith Bible Church yesterday. Our 19th one in a row. Over 400 people were here. Pastor Levi went through some of the response cards. 26 people put some sort of a response on that card. Either they wanted a follow-up or they wanted more information or they put their trust in Christ. We had a great day. Including giving out some fishing equipment to children. Cane poles. And I can remember sitting with my cane pole in my uncle's pond catching my first bass. Oh, what fun. My most memorable fish catch, fish catch was my first trout. My mom grew up in Fort Collins, Colorado, and we used to go fish the horse tooth reservoir up above Fort Collins. But my favorite was to go fish the pooter, the pooter river. And as about a first grader, we were fishing the pooter and I caught the most beautiful rainbow trout I had ever seen. And I reeled it in and my dad caught it and that brought it up in the net. And before I had a chance to take pictures with my fish, I just threw my rod and reel down and I took off in a run along the bank of the Poudre River, just yelling out as loud as I could to anybody I could find, I caught a trout! I caught a trout! And I remember it to this day, people picnicking up up the way up the Poudre and I went up to them, total strangers, I caught a trout! I was so excited. But you know what? Jesus calls on us to enter an even more exciting journey than trout fishing on the Poudre River in Colorado. You see, he's going to call some guys in this passage to be his followers, his disciples. And they're fishers. They're fisher people. They're fishing for fish. And he's going to tell them, hey, you follow me. And I'll teach you how to fish for people. And that's what we want to see this morning as we open up this, these verses that record for us Jesus' very early ministry in Matthew chapter 4 starting in verse 12. And we're going to see right from the beginning, we see it from the beginning all the way to the end of Jesus' ministry, he's all about Proclaiming good news. Jesus' ministry was one of proclaiming good news. 
Notice with me in verse 12. It says, now when Jesus heard that John had been taken into custody, he withdrew into Galilee. Now, we know from Matthew chapter 3 verse 1 that he had been in the area of the region of Judea. His temptation by Satan was in the area of Judea. And unless Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist and then John the Baptist immediately arrested, which didn't happen... Jesus would have spent a significant amount of time in Judea between his baptism and John's arrest. In fact, we know from John chapter 1 verse 19 through chapter 3 verse 36 is a record of Jesus in Judea before John the Baptist's arrest. Remember, the gospel writers did not include everything that Jesus did and spoke. In fact, the gospel of John in chapter 2, or excuse me, chapter 21, verse 25, says this about that. There are also many other things which Jesus did, which if they were written in detail, I suppose that even the world itself would not contain the books that would be written. So there's no way the gospel writers could include everything Jesus did and said. They chose particular things to reinforce their purposes for writing these gospels. To reach out to people who did not know Jesus and also to encourage believers. And here... Matthew and Mark and Luke all choose to not dwell on that time period where Jesus was in Judea between his baptism and John the Baptist being arrested. And rather begin their record of Jesus' public ministry here in verse 12 when Jesus departs from Judea and goes to Galilee. In fact, verse 13 Tells us, leaving Nazareth, he came and settled in Capernaum, which is by the sea in the region of Zebulun and Naphtali. Matthew sees this as very significant. Remember, he's all about showing us that Jesus is the one promised in the Old Testament. And here, In the fact of Jesus leaving Judea and going into Galilee, Matthew sees that as fulfillment of Old Testament scripture. And goes to Isaiah chapter 9 verses 1 and 2 saying even this was prophesied hundreds of years ago by the prophet Isaiah. In fact, I'm going to turn to Isaiah chapter 9 verses 1 and 2 where Isaiah the prophet looks forward to that promised kingdom. And here's what Isaiah wrote in Isaiah 9.1. But there will be no more gloom for her who was in anguish. In earlier times he treated the land of Zebulun and Naphtali with contempt. But later on he shall make it glorious. By the way of the sea on the other side of the Jordan. Galilee of the Gentiles. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. Those who live in a dark land. The light will shine on them. And Matthew is saying. That is Jesus going to Galilee. That Jesus is that promised light. He is the one that was foretold by Isaiah the prophet. 
And notice that he is referred to as the one who goes to Galilee of the Gentiles. In fact, when we get clear to the end of the section in verse 25, it tells us that Jesus had followers all from the area of the Decapolis and beyond the Jordan. Those are Gentile regions. Jesus came to be a light to Israel, but to all nations. His message of good news is for all peoples. And Matthew sees here a fulfillment of Old Testament scripture in the fact of Jesus leaving Judea and going to Nazareth. And then we read in verse 17. From that time, Jesus began to preach and say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now that's, we've seen that message before. John the Baptist said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And Jesus is sharing that same message. But when Jesus shares it throughout his ministry, it has some added definition because Jesus is all about showing that he is the one to which people need to come. He's the one to whom people need to turn around their life and come to him. The kingdom's coming. Now don't forget that right after this section, we turn to what Bible teachers call the Sermon on the Mount. Chapter 5, chapter 6, chapter 7. We looked at that this summer. And one of the main themes in the Sermon on the Mount is in order to enter the kingdom, one must recognize that they're not eligible to enter the kingdom. In order to enter this kingdom of righteousness, the only way to do it is to recognize that I'm not righteous. And Jesus said there's a lot of people on a very wide path thinking that they're right with God, but the only way into the kingdom is through the narrow gate. And Jesus is trying to show people that none of us have a righteousness of our own. None of us deserve to be in that kingdom with God. But Jesus is our source of right standing with God. And so all throughout his ministry, he's about this message. And it's a message we just talked about that wasn't just for Israel, but it's for all nations. And here we see this overriding summary statement of Jesus' message in verse 17. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And we see that message of good news all the way clear to the end of the book of Matthew. When Jesus calls his disciples to join in his passion for his message. And in Matthew 28 says, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. You see, that's what Jesus is all about. Proclaiming good news. Now we talked about repentance here the last couple of weeks. The Apostle Paul uses the word repent. He also calls people to turn. He also calls people to believe and trust. And all of those words are carrying a very similar idea. That Men and women and boys and girls in the sinful state of our hearts, we are all walking away from God. Thinking that 
I'm good enough. Thinking that I can stand on my own. And Jesus' message is, turn around the entire direction of your life and come to him. Because we can't enter the kingdom of righteousness until we realize that we're not righteous. You see, we need help. There's only one way into the kingdom, and that's through the narrow gate, Jesus is going to say soon. And we're going to see as Matthew unfolds that Jesus is God. That Jesus does go to the cross to pay the price for sin. That Jesus does rise again from the dead, proving that he is God. And that through faith in him, his Death on the cross can be credited to the account of each of our lives. But in order to have that payment for sin credited to the account of our lives, we have to stop walking away from God in the hardness of our hearts. And we have to turn the direction of our life around and put our trust in the person of Jesus Christ. In 2002, the Houston Rockets' first draft choice was a guy from China, seven feet, six inches tall, named Yao Ming. Great player. Yao Ming's career, though, was plagued by a little bone in his foot that he broke. They had to do surgery. I think he broke it more than once. Then they actually started referring to it as the Yao Ming surgery. My middle son played basketball for Northwestern College in St. Paul. And he's a big guy, 6'5". And just in, right at the beginning of his second year, he broke that same bone. Went to University of Iowa. And they said, well, we're going to have to do the Yao Ming surgery on you. And so he had the Yao Ming surgery and then spent weeks after that on crutches. Oh, he was discouraged. Having to watch his teammates out there and he's in Minnesota in the winter on crutches, having to get to class, making his way through the snow and the ice. But he knew that he had to have those crutches, otherwise that bone would not heal. You know, there are a lot of people around you and around me today who think that Christianity is a crutch. You know about half the people in our corridor here between Iowa City and Cedar Falls have no church connection at all? About half. None. Let that sink in a little bit. For many of those people, they think Christianity is a crutch. Now, it's okay. They're very open-minded. If you need that crutch, if you need Christianity to get through life, hey, great. I'll applaud you. But, you know, I don't need that because I'm strong. I, 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 I know the direction of my life. Um, I'm, I'm doing great. Everything's going well. I have a good career. I don't need that crutch. 
And in a very real way, people all around us are walking away from God thinking that they're good enough by what they do to be in, to be acceptable to God if they think there is a God. But they don't need this Christian thing. And Jesus' message to the same person in his day is just as appropriate to the people in our region today. It's a call to stop walking away from God. To turn the direction of our life around and to come to the person of Jesus Christ. And to do that, it first requires us to recognize that in order to enter the kingdom of righteousness, I have to acknowledge that I'm not eligible. I'm a sinner. And Jesus is all about proclaiming good news to sinners. He is light in a dark place. He's the narrow gate. And one of the interesting things about this passage is we not only have Jesus' message, but we see him calling people to follow him. He's calling disciples. That's what a disciple is. A disciple is a follower. And we see Jesus calling disciples. One of the interesting things about being a disciple of Jesus is that to be his disciple means that we start looking like him. Here at Faith Bible Church, we try to make sure that all of our ministry fits into disciple making. A large portion of what we do is to help people begin to be followers of Jesus. We call it helping people move from curious to convinced. Curious about who is this person Jesus Christ to being convinced that Jesus is God, that he died on the cross for my sin and rose again from the dead proving that he is God. And when I put my trust in him, finally get into that point where I transfer the dependence of my life from myself thinking I can be good enough to earn merit with God and put my dependence on the person of Jesus Christ. When I do that, I become a true disciple of Jesus. I'm a Christian as the Bible defines it. I'm going to heaven. I have the indwelling spirit of God. But discipleship Following Jesus doesn't stop at me just becoming a Christian. Because to be Jesus' disciple is a lifelong call. Yes, I've moved from curious to convinced. I believe that Jesus is God. I believe that he's my only way of salvation. I'm trusting him. I know that my eternal future is secure. But 
Jesus doesn't call me just to becoming a Christian. He wants me to move from convinced to committed. A call to discipleship is to live my life in such a way that Jesus' life is replicated in my life. A call to discipleship is to follow after him in such a way, it's so closely, that when people see you, when people see me, they see Jesus Christ's life in me. When I was a little kid, about second grade, kids at school made so much fun of me. And they were making fun of me because the way I walked. And I'd come home and I'd just be heartbroken. And why are they making fun of the way I walk? And my parents finally figured it out. I spent so much time following my grandpa on the farm. And they actually witnessed this as he would walk. He's a big man. As he would walk ahead of me, I was actually putting my feet in where his foot stepped. And so I was totally, totally emulating the gait of my 65-year-old grandpa. So that as I walked, I was walking just like him. And I was in second grade. And that's a little bit like being Jesus' disciple. Because Jesus wants us to walk in his steps. What's important to him should be important to us. What his message is should be our message. And so here, Jesus begins to call followers. And if you look at verses 18 down through verse 25, we see that Jesus is calling people to be his followers. In fact, some of them are fishermen and he's going to tell them, hey, you fish for fish, you follow me, I'm going to teach you how to fish for people. And so we see down in verses 18 through 22, him calling Peter and his brother Andrew and calling James and his brother John. Notice with me, in both of those situations, Peter and Andrew and James and John, when Jesus said, follow me, verse 20 stresses, immediately they left their nets and followed him. Verse 22, immediately they left the boat and their father. Now, we look at that and say, how could that be? Jesus just comes along and says, follow me, it's okay. It's important for us to remember that the Gospel of John tells us in chapter, uh, John chapter 1 verses 35 through 42, that this was not the first time that Jesus, for example, had interfaced with Peter and Andrew. But when it was time for them to start being his disciple, to start actually walking with him and following after him, Jesus called, they immediately answered. The other thing that's important to see in the Gospels is that these guys weren't just sitting around with nothing going on. Hey, that sounds kind of cool. We don't have anything else to do. I mean, I'm getting a little bit tired of Xbox 360. Um, and I don't have a job. And my parents really, I'm, you know, 37 years old. My mom and dad keep saying I should move out of the basement. So... Let's go ahead and let's follow after Jesus. That's not it at all. These guys are successful. Peter, in Matthew chapter 19, verse 27, says this. 
Behold, we've left everything and followed you. We know from the book of Mark that when James and John left their father Zebedee, there were servants that carried on the work. You see, these were successful people. They had a life. They had an income. Some of our friends up in North Dakota farm 20 plus thousand acres between dad and sons. And, and it would be kind of like that, walking away from a very successful business to follow after Jesus. And here's what Jesus said to them. Verse 19. Follow me. And I will make you. Fishers. Of men. The New Living Translation says. I will show you how to fish for people. Verses 23 through 25. Talk about the fact that. Jesus goes throughout the land and he's preaching this message and he's healing people. We know from the book of Isaiah chapter 35 verses 4 through 6 that when Messiah comes, he will bring physical healing. Once again, Matthew is showing that Jesus is the promised Messiah. He's a fulfillment of Old Testament scripture. And the reason for Jesus' healing ministry, other than just caring for people, is the fact that he's demonstrating that he is the promised Messiah. And it tells us down in verse 25 that large crowds are following him. And it tells us this from the region of Decapolis and beyond the Jordan people are coming. Those are Gentile regions. This is a message for all peoples from every tribe and tongue. That's what Jesus is all about. Declaring this good news. And then he tells his followers. I want you to declare it too. I want you to be walking in my steps so closely that when people see you, they see me in you. I want you to follow after me so closely that what's important to me is important to you. That my words become your words. In 1964, a film came out starring Rock Hudson called Man's Favorite Sport. Great film. Rock Hudson... Plays a guy named Roger who is a fishing expert. He works in a high-end store. And there's a stack of his latest book on display. And he'll sign it for people. The Art of Angling. And people come. They just flock to the store all day long. Asking him like, what lure should I use up at this such and such lake? Or the water temperature is such. What, what, how should I fish for them? And what's biting right now? And everybody's coming to Roger for advice. He's so popular that his boss, the owner of the store, decides to enter Roger in a fishing competition. It'd be great publicity for the store. And when he tells Roger that he's entered him in the fishing competition, this huge fear just pours all over him. And he's fearful because Roger has never gone fishing. Not once in his entire life has he ever thrown his line in the water. He wrote a book about fishing. He, he can tell people how to go fish. But he's actually never done it himself. 
You know what Jesus is calling you and me today to do, to be his followers? He, he He's asking us not just to know about the good news. And he's asking us not to just know about talking with people about Jesus. He's actually asking us to do it. Now, you may be here this morning and you love talking to people about Jesus. I, I, I'm so thankful for you all. It just, it's what gets your motor going. It's just, you're passionate about it. You are talking about Jesus with everybody that you can find that'll listen to you. There's some others of us in the room like me who are scared to death of talking to people. You, you all who know me know that I could, when I first married my wife, I couldn't even call up a store and ask them how late they're open. And I was so glad to get married because now I could finally ask my wife to do that. And I can't, we, we don't, we, I can't do returns at a store. We, it's off limits. We don't even talk about it. It's, I, I tell Barbara, if there's something that has to be returned, just go do it. I don't want to know when you're going to go. It just makes me nervous. I, that interface, I just, no. And so, for some of us in this room, talking to other people, even maybe somebody that I don't know about Jesus, may be a little more difficult than for those of you who just live for it. But you know what? That's not an excuse because I'm afraid to talk to people about how late is your store open. Um, that's not an excuse for me not to follow what Jesus is asking me to do, right? So how do I actually get in the game? And the best thing that I can share today on how to get in the game is to pray. Remember John North, one of our commission missionaries, was here about a couple years ago. And he shared a three-part prayer with us that I've been praying continually ever since. In fact, we've written it on our prayer mural for the city in our prayer room. And it's really simple. It's just asking God to open three things. God, open a door for me to talk to people about Jesus. And God, when, when I'm able to do that, please open the heart of the other person so they'll actually take in the message that's being shared. And God, open my mouth so I'll actually have the boldness to talk. Open a door, open a heart, open my mouth. I guarantee you, if you start praying that, regularly praying that, bringing that before the Lord, God will answer that prayer. He will. It may be a little scary, but God will answer that prayer. You don't have to know all the answers. In fact, back in our prayer room, we have this little booklet called, May I Ask You a Question? It just simply talks about bad news. We're sinners and separated from God. We're going to go to hell apart from Jesus and good news. That Jesus loves you so much he died for you. You can even just keep one of these with you. You can even read it out loud with a person you want to talk to. If we as a church family 
commit ourselves, individually commit ourselves to start praying, God, just open doors for me to talk to people about Jesus. God, open the hearts of those with whom I talk. God, open my mouth and give me boldness. God will answer that prayer. You see, Jesus' ministry was all about good news. And as his disciples, those of us who have already moved from curious to convinced that we believe that he is Jesus, that Jesus is God. We believe that he died on the cross. We believe that he rose from the dead. Our trust is in him. He's asking us to continue following him in such a way that his life is seen in our life. That what's important to him is important to us. That what his message is, is our message. And some of us are deeply already in the game. Some of us maybe as we look at our heart, we're not in the game as much as we think the Lord is asking us to be. How do I turn that around? Start. By just talking to him and asking him to start using you. You may be here today and you're not sure if you're right with God or not. One of our leaders here at Faith Bible Church will be back in the prayer room immediately behind you. There's materials back there. There's a book called Welcome to the Family that you can actually open up the first chapter of that book and take out your own Bible and look up verses that talk about how you can know for sure you're right with God. We have a stack of these little pamphlets. May I ask you a question that talk in very simple terms about this good news that Jesus proclaims. I encourage you to take advantage of those resources in the back. Father, we thank you. For your word and the encouragement we find in it. Father, we thank you for your heart. And as your disciples, our prayer is that you would give us your heart too. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.